we, we recognize that God's got something more for us, don't we? We're not, we're not saying this, this is the best it can be, this is as far as we can go. In fact, actually, there's a hunger in our hearts for something more. And that's what I want us to help us with as we look at this today. And I want us to bear in mind, because uh, we have been described by some of our friends as the best-kept secret in Christendom, uh, I want us to celebrate not our obscurity, but the fact that God brings forth out of obscurity. And I've always liked... We've not talked to this for quite some time. Let me just read you this, one of my favorite little things, talking about the Lord. He was born in an obscure village. Remember this? Child of a peasant woman. Grew up in still another village. He worked in a carpenter shop until he was 30. I mean, if we just sort of pause as we go through this and just think how we would rate that in this present day, you know? Um, query about the, his heritage, his birth, query about where he comes from, query about what he does. And then for three years, he was an itinerant preacher. And he didn't write a book, never held an office, never had a family or owned a house, and he didn't go to college. So he would be very, very stuck on the issues of credit rating. He wouldn't actually be uh, determined to be anybody that was anybody that could actually get anything. He never traveled more than 200 miles from the place he was born. He did none of those things usually associated with greatness. He had no credentials but himself. And of course, when he was 33, public opinion turned against him. His friends ran away. He was turned over to his enemies, went through the mockery of a trial, nailed to a cross between two thieves. When he was dying, his executioners gambled for his clothing, the only property he had on earth. And when he was dead, he was laid in a borrowed grave through the pity of a friend. And after all these centuries, he is still today the central figure of the human race leader of mankind's progress, the only hope for mankind. And all the countries that ever emerged, all the superpowers, all the armies, all the navies, all the parliaments, all the kings that reigned, put the whole lot together. They've not affected life on earth as much as that one person. His name is Jesus out of obscurity, the very nature of how often God works. He doesn't look for the most likely. In fact, it's probably a good place to be the unlikely lads rather than the likely lads. You know, out of a stable to become Lord of all. When we think about um, some of the biblical examples... Think about um, Abraham, who was to become the uh, father of that race. And there he is with Isaac, his heir, his seed, on the altar. It didn't look very likely. When we hear the story of feeding of uh, 5,000, and we look at a boy with some fish and some bread, it really doesn't look likely. When we go back to the story of Noah... And the whole, you know, 
I mean, that, that is it's so unlikely, isn't it? But here's somebody who's called to be really the, the means by which the human race would continue. And there he is building a boat for when the rain comes, when nobody's ever seen rain. You know, you've got to think, this is a bizarre chap. This is a strange situation. This is a very, very unlikely situation. So let, let, us, let us grasp the fact that this is not about how likely it looks. It's not about whether we can, by making an assessment, think, hmm, this thing is going somewhere. This is going to develop in some way. Can we agree that? That there's a biblical pattern here that, that God brings forth out of obscurity according to his plan, according to his purpose. He's not looking for um, the kind of greatness, the kind of things that this world, that we would tend to look for. Uh, he's just looking for people that are um, yielded and broken and humble before him. You know, when we think of it, we've seen, and probably we could come through a lot of examples, but just think, it wasn't long ago, it was only a few weeks ago, that Abigail told us something of her story when she was celebrating, completing her first year uh, of teaching. Now, do you remember what she said, how she'd, because of her health, had missed so much schooling that the likelihood of even her going to university, yet alone taking a teaching role. You know, it never looked likely, but God had a different plan. And the recognition that we want to see what God's got, not just look at things naturally. Look at last week. Here we, we, we sat here and heard the story of those guys from Sierra Leone. I mean, couldn't have thought, here's, you wouldn't have picked a less likely group of leaders for a, a multi-thousand pound uh, funded project for running a church, a school, a boy's home. Uh, you know, these, these are kids that, that nobody would accept. You, know, you couldn't have thought about anybody less likely than those that God has raised up. And actually raised up through a whole raft of people that should have actually been those leaders, should have given that example, should have been that role model, but did the very opposite. And yet God in his mercy and faithfulness still brought them through according to his purpose. You know, you've got to think on some days that God's going to do what he's going to do. And all he wants is us to yield to him and submit to him. And he's well able to bring forth exactly what he wants. He doesn't depend on size or significance or fame or talent. He just basically looks for people who say, yes, Lord, I submit to you. That's one of the keys that we need to, to consider and understand, that we don't need to worry about how likely a thing looks according to this world's idea. But I want us to look at another key. Because as we engage in celebrating, I also want us to be able to have 
a seeing which is which is not just a natural not just naturally assessing it's an ability to see which is beyond and God requires us and just work with me on this because it's quite important that we be a thankful people. God requires that. Um, and the scriptures, I think we've got some here. Uh, Ephesians 5.20, always giving thanks. Very, very key for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Giving thanks in all circumstances. Very, very key. See, these are things which we mustn't just, hmm, mustn't just, uh, oh yeah, that's a scripture and it's nice and I'll read it some point. But it's actually something that we're intended to do. But I want us to draw, I want to draw your attention particularly to this uh, Philippians. And it talks about Paul who learned to be content. See, I don't believe that God wants us to kind of, oh yes, I've got to be thankful, and if I say it seven times, I'll become thankful. It's not, it's not about what we can produce in ourselves. It's what he produces as we submit to what he wants. So this, this kind of gripped my attention. Paul learned. Now, if you're learning, it doesn't mean to say you're already there, does it? You don't learn something you already know. You learn in order to move on into the next stage. So he learned uh, to be um, content. Content is thankful, grateful. You know, those things kind of lead one to another. And it's very, very true that uh, a grateful heart does lead to thankfulness. If I'm grateful... Um, and, and let's say we're being genuine. If, I'm, if Anthony gives me this, and I think, oh, it's just what I need, and I'm really grateful for that, I'm immediately, hey, thanks for thinking of me, pal. There's a, th- those things are connected. And I believe that it's very important for us as a people. One of the reasons that we're talking this today is because this is for us as a people that we, we are grateful, that we, or we are content, grateful, thankful. Obviously, primarily for who God is and what he's done. But for the myriad things that are happening around us, the things that we've been hearing about week after week, the testimonies, an ability to celebrate and be grateful, very, very important. But you know... I've never been satisfied with this idea, you need to learn. You need to learn. Because once I've said, okay, I, I want to learn, at that point, I want something more. I don't want an, an exhortation. I don't want an instruction. I don't want a, a kind of uh, pressurizing. I want to say, well, how do I learn? And that's exactly what we learn here. How do we do it? Um, it's... It's very, very important that we pick up those things. First of all, obviously, you choose. Um, but then, here's the, here's the thing, and this is where God wants us to go. Once we've settled there's something, like learning to be content, to be grateful, to be thankful, 
He provides his strength in order for us to do it. It's, well, let me just read, I can do all this through him who gives me strength. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit. Learning to be grateful, as Paul did, was actually learning to say, I can do nothing, but I can do all things. Lord, please bring me in to a place of content, a place of gratefulness, a place of thankfulness. Lord, I want to be able to appreciate what you're doing, to grasp something more of what you've done, and to express a thankfulness for it in a way beyond what I've managed up until this point of time. Of course, it goes on, and that particular scripture has the, the kind of present tense, that continual act. It's not once, but it's ongoing, always doing that. Doing all through Christ. I wanted to share with you, talking about thankfulness, let me just share a few of the comments that have come back uh, from around the network. John Hanna from Egypt, because they're all uh, expressing thanks in terms of the hospitality and the practical expressions of love. Uh, And these, remember, are people serving in some fairly extreme and difficult situations. Uh, John Hanna talks about the hospitality and the love of God in generosity, and the way they were looked after. And he's just giving thanks for the presence of God, and for the, the times of, of being able to join together and praise God, the times of teaching. Albert Kitcher from Ukraine talks about, uh, they went back, they shared a report, the church was set ablaze by the reports that they were bringing, uh, just as they shared what God had done. George Moyo in Zimbabwe, Um, same kind of thing. The church was so excited, he said, to receive the the spiritual impartation that came as a result of us being here together and what they were able to bring as they went back. And this is remembering to a people that are without, well, with very little and often not with with food. Uh, George spoke about giving thanks for being inspired to move on. And uh, also giving thanks, he'd already used some of the teaching in, in uh, other places. So picked up, which is absolutely great to pick up stuff, give thanks and then be able to use it uh, to good benefit. Richard from Zambia, um, who I think very much tended to win our hearts, uh, responded that, as a result of what he saw and what he experienced, he felt the call of God to be joined to us and joined as part of the network. And uh, he talks about Lifeline Zambia has now been born. Uh, and thanks God for the gift of relationship. Mohammed Niku talked about uh, a change of purpose for him. Uh, something quite significant happened there. Keith Marsh talks about being changed, to walk in the spirit in a deeper way, a new strength in the spirit, and uh, uh, has gone ahead and started a new home fellowship. You know, giving God thanks is a good, vital, and important thing to do. 
I, um, I don't know who got it, but I did send around to some of the leaders and ask uh, if you've got something to help us just to give thanks. Anybody get that? Yeah? Oh, right. Go on, Neil. Yeah. Yeah. I just wanted to give thanks. I've had inspection this week at school. Uh, not necessarily giving thanks for that process. Although what I'm giving thanks for is the fact that I know that there's been uh, loads of people around me in the church, and also some colleagues at work, and we've been able to pray together about what's coming up, sense of God saying in the process, and just keeping clear on what God's saying rather than what the inspectors or others might be saying. Good, thank you. Rich? Excellent sense of purpose. Don't you dare use that word. To transition from uh, one, uh, one phase into a much more intense phase. Lucy. Yeah. Excellent. Could you say this is Lord's doing and it's um marvelous? Yeah. See since we're not we haven't arrived and we're on a journey. Part of that journey is to be able to say, this is the Lord's doing, and it's marvellous. That sense of thankfulness, that sense of appreciation. At the moment, we tend to say, this is the Lord's doing. Yeah, it's all right. It's not bad. But we want to move on from that. Did I leave somebody out? Oh, Debbie. Yeah. Yeah. 
Look forward to that. Yeah. God, let's refresh the parts that nothing else can reach. Me, you know, I mean, in basically, can actually come and meet with us, and our physical bodies are refreshed and renewed. It's just an just an amazing thing. So we give God thanks for that. Um, Psalm 118 kind of pulls this together. The stone the builders rejected, that which didn't look likely, um, has become the cornerstone, the most important. Let's revisit that again. It might not look likely to the natural eyes. The cornerstone, this stone which was rejected by the builders became the cornerstone and the Lord has done this and it is marvellous in our eyes. Hmm. God requires us to be thankful and everything he requires us to do, he equips us to do and what do we do? We receive his strength. We receive from him, Lord, I choose to be different. I choose to enter into a, a new phase of completely over the top Thankfulness. I mean, completely beyond bounds. Thankfulness. Completely un-British thankfulness. Yes? Mm. So what are the obstacles that we need to remove in order to help us? Let's look at that because we want to be real. And there may be more than what I'm suggesting... But uh, let's just uh, run through a few. What about uh, any past issues that have not been resolved will absolutely uh, restrict us in our ability to be thankful. We have to resolve issues. Unforgiveness means that we're not able to give thanks I'll tell you a story. It's, it's really sad. It's almost a bit funny, but it's really sad. Many, many years ago, um, oh, so long ago, it was before you were born, uh, there was a, a leaders' meeting, uh, and uh, it didn't involve all the leaders from here, it was way back. And in those days, we were seeking learning to express things one to another. Instead of just singing songs to God, actually expressing things uh, one to another. And uh, which is what we do now. I mean, it's biblical, isn't it? Encouraging one another and all that sort of thing. I hope we do it lots and lots. And in this time of learning these leaders were encouraged to say, right, just say what you, what, you, what you appreciate. So get together in twos and say what you appreciate one to another. And uh, one of these leaders got together with one of the others and said, yeah, I can't 
think of anything good in you at all. Actually, that said a lot more about the person who said it because the one who he couldn't see any good in was a born-again child of God, so there must be something. And that, yeah, completely unable to give thanks because he'd allowed little things to build up and cause that sort of uh, resentment. You know, disappointment kind of works against the ability to celebrate. It's another thing we have to decide. Am I going to live in the disappointment or am I going to trust God that he is overseeing all things and he works out all things after the counsel of his own will? We have to decide to put away past issues, put away disappointments, put away anything that would work against that. You know, it's portrayed in this. Uh, It's a phrase. Isn't that good? Yes, but. Yes, but. It's it's important that we can actually receive uh, what God has done uh, rather than have to qualify it uh, because the truth of the matter is what God has done is still real. Um, you know, we can, we can say, wow, well, look, um, Faith Action's got this new contract. Isn't that good? But you remember that last one and that didn't, and it was difficult and it didn't work out? You know, guys, it can stop us actually entering into the thankfulness in the present if we hold on to what's happened in the past. Yeah, well, I'm not sure that it's going to lead anyway. In the light of what we're talking about, coming out of obscurity, in the light of what we're talking about, keys towards moving on in this place of thankfulness, um, we do need to consider the exhortation from Zechariah chapter 4. Despise not the day of small things, a little thing, a small gift, a small act of kindness. Oh, it didn't seem like... Yes, but is that something that you receive as from God? Then, then let's not worry what it leads to. Let's not worry about whether something didn't work before. Let's put that behind us because if it stops us actually saying, this is the Lord's doing, and frankly, big or small, if it's the Lord's doing, it's supposed to be marvellous in our sight. It's supposed to be the ability to actually receive that and recognise that in that way. And unless we are as little children... Unless we have that sense of awe, that sense of wonder, that sense of excitement, that sense of appreciation, we cannot enter on in to the kingdom of God. It requires a childlikeness. You know, put the sophistication in the drawer, shut it away because it gets in the way. You know, I've seen it all before. Ah, yes. Well, I've been around a long time. I know how these things pan out. Oh dear, we could do without any of that sort of thing. We don't want that. We want to be excited at what God's doing rather than the idea it won't lead anywhere. I had a conversation this week. I want to share with you. I was shocked. I was talking with Hans. 
And just in the course of conversation, uh, he, was, he had no, no axe to grind. It was just something <coughs> that came up as he was talking. He said, uh, you know, it was a strange thing. Uh, my words, not his, but he said, when I told people that I was going to be taking a role in LCP, I got a number of reactions that were, well, good luck to you sort of thing. And I thought about that. I thought, that's, that's not good. Then I put that together. Do you remember a couple of weeks ago, Elspeth was here and she gave us an update on LCP. And I thought, she just said some rather good things. But our ability to really receive and respond that, I'm thinking, hmm, we can't have that kind of uh, almost, I'm in favor of this, I'm not in favor of this. This is something that's birthed by God in the heart of this church. To actually not be able to embrace what God is doing absolutely mitigates against the spirit of thankfulness and celebration. That's why I'm saying, hmm, very true. I'd be the first one to admit, you know, we've not got it all right. We've not got it all right, church-wise. We certainly didn't get it all right with LCP. But in the goodness of God and the grace of God, instead of writing us off, instead of disqualifying, he's actually saying, no, here's a different way. Here's a way to proceed. He helps us to do what he knows is in our heart to do. So we're talking together, and I want us to be real, because I don't want any obstacles to remain that are going to stop us or bring a dampener on our ability to really enter into what God's doing, particularly in the realm of giving thanks. And anything that needs to be dealt with that gets in the way of that must indeed be dealt with so that we are um, able to celebrate. You know, I was thinking about this. I thought about the, the children of Israel and... They've been in the wilderness 40 years. And then they come to this place uh, where they've got to cross uh, Jordan and get into the, into the promised land. And, of course, God opens up the way. It's a different way. Their, their method of transition is different to what it was before. Um, but they go into the promised land. And... Uh, that must have been fairly exciting after 40 years wandering in the desert, except for, of course, there was a whole change in mentality and processes and things that had to take place. But look, what do they do? They get to Gilgal and they celebrate. They raise up a monument. They recognize that this is a, a place of saying, God, you have done this. In spite of the fact, they still had to possess the land. They had lots of enemies, lots of battles, lots of things to do to possess the land. But the ability to thank God <coughs> excuse me, for where they are, even though they hadn't finished, even though they hadn't got to the end. Let's say we all died. 
I'm not recommending it, but let's say that we did. And let's say we had various friends and people that felt a lot about us. And they came and had a funeral service, a memorial service. And they said all the wonderful things that we'd done. And let's say we could hear what they were saying. And we think, yeah, I suppose it was. I don't know now why I didn't enjoy that. I don't know why we didn't celebrate that. I don't know why we didn't have a little Gilgal experience about that. They seemed to think it was good. A bit late for us now. You know, to be asleep in the day is not a good thing. The danger sometimes is when God is so gracious in working amongst us, empowering us, granting his presence, demonstrating his power, seeing supernatural releases and healings and opportunity to enter into his world as his representatives. It's like a rich diet. A rich diet means that when you get good food, it's just like what we had before. That's not the way God wants us to be. He wants us to be able to celebrate. Part of that, a very important key to that, as we've already alluded to, is that we don't just look at what we can see. We see beyond the natural. And if we can't see beyond the natural, what do we do? Ask. Back to Zechariah again. He asked me, what do you see? Well, I see a lampstand, a bowl, seven lamps, seven channels, olive trees. Describes what he can see. But then he says, what are these, my Lord? What is he doing there? He's saying, I make sense of it. What do you do when you can't see? You ask. And that's all that God's saying. If you want a spiritual, if you want to see beyond the natural, if you want to see beyond your immediate circumstance, if you want to see beyond that which is concerning you, <coughs> excuse me, if you want to see way beyond the things that were limitations of the past, ask, ask, ask for an opening of the eyes, an ability to actually see how these things are. Very, very key to actually do the simple thing, to see beyond the natural. And actually, not a bad idea, find someone that can help you. Someone who perhaps knows the way. Remember Saul on the road to Damascus? He had to be led by the hand into where he needed to go. Find someone who can see and follow them. And God requires that we actually have sight. Isaiah 60, verse... See, this is why it's important to come back to this. Once you know it's what God wants, once you know it's what God says, then we've got the authority to actually come and ask and to say, Lord, I choose to do this. I choose to have this. 
I choose to go this way. I choose not to hold things. I choose to be rid of obstacles. I choose to enter into great thankfulness. I choose to be able through thankfulness to come to a place of worship. When we do that, knowing that we're doing it on the authority of what God wants, we're assured of his help. We're assured of receiving from him to enable us to actually do that. That's why it's good in Isaiah 60 to see that God requires, actually requires that we have sight, a very, very key and important thing. We need to be able to see beyond the natural, need to see through things, need to see beyond what we're fed through the media, what the Sky News or BBC say to us. We need to see beyond that. We need to see beyond current trends and fashions. We need to see with the eye of God. Let me just share a little something on that. Um, John chapter 20 talks about when, uh, when Jesus came, when, sorry, John came to the tomb. Let me just read it a couple of verses to you, uh, just to remind you. John chapter 20, early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb and we don't know where they have put him. So Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outrun Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked in at the strips of linen laying there, but he didn't go in. Then Simon Peter, who was behind him, arrived and went into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there as well. as a burial cloth that had been around Jesus' head, the cloth that was folded by itself. Finally, the other disciple who reached the tomb first also went inside. He saw and believed. We, we have the word saw, and actually, if you go back to the original, uh, there, are, there are quite different meanings. Um, in verse 5 we see that, um, that John, sorry, John first looked in, in verse 5. Um, and uh, then we also saw Peter, uh, Peter actually, um, and the looking that John did was like a physical thing, uh, like a physical sight, if you like, natural. He, he looked and he, he, he kind of noticed it, um, but it was at that, at that sort of natural level. Then in verse 6, it talks about, uses the same word, Peter saw. The word there, therio, is to, to gaze intently. It's not the same meaning. So one looks and yeah, sees something. Another one gazes intently. But the key point, the key verse, is um, where, where then John goes... And it says, he saw, that is, and the word there in the original is idol. He saw and understood the meaning. So it's not just seeing natural, it's not just gazing intently, but it's seeing at a supernatural level. He saw something beyond what was there. He grasped the significance of it in a very special way and saw what was really happening. He saw and believed. Spiritual sight always leads to, to belief and 
um, to important and strategic action. Actually, that word seeing with the understanding, seeing beyond the natural, is the same word that's used in Matthew when it took about uh, the wise men saw his star. It's that same coming through to a spiritual insight. Um, and in fact, it's the same word where it says uh, in Matthew 4, Jesus walking beside the Galilean Sea saw two brothers. It wasn't he just saw them. Oh, there's two brothers there. It wasn't that he just looked. Oh, yes, look, one's got fair hair and the other's got brown hair. And look, they've got... It wasn't gazing intently. He saw the significance of who they were and what they were doing. Look, God wants us to be a people that have sight, a people who see beyond. We were talking the other day, I, I don't know what setting it was, we were talking about those who remember when Avril was very ill, Richard Cole was alive, and we'd all been and we'd prayed with her and so on and so forth, but Richard Cole was coming, and uh, we had this high expectation. Richard Cole's coming. He's going to go and pray for Avril. And wow. And I mean, he was a cantankerous, what's it? He, he goes, and the first thing he says, I'm not come to pray for your healing. So, Richard Cole, I mean, it's all right to be a bit sort of quirky at times, but come on, man, this poor sister's in such a state. No, he said, I've come with something else. See, there was the natural sightedness, but there was ability to see something else. He said, I want you to give thanks. Well, you know, Avril, she's not here so I can talk about her. Uh, you know, even in that state, her reaction was, uh, well, let's move on quickly from that. <laughs> But it was a turning point. It was a turning point. Because he came with something, he'd seen something of a different dimension. Seen something that was very, very much from the realm of what God wanted. And of course, we, we look at the uh, illness and the state she's in. We're unable to see that Right there, God was rebirthing a doulos and a, a whole vision of doulos which was to affect not only many of you. Because remember, doulos was at the point, if it hadn't been scrapped, I think it was at the point of being scrapped there. Um, and it just brought the whole thing back in a different way. See, we could not see that in the natural. But am I glad that God was working and then began to show us something that you think of the people across the different nations that have been really blessed and affected about that and what's happened in that time. Seeing beyond, seeing beyond the natural. Uh, even here, you know, if we go up there where Matt is and, and John, we look at that oh, it's a little box, lots of buttons and dials or sliders or things on it. Hmm. When he looks at it, he sees controls and what connects to where and what to do if this thing whistles and I mean all sort I mean he has a level of 
sightedness, a level of understanding, a level of comprehension beyond what we would see as we just look at a thing naturally. So what am I saying is a key uh, to moving on, a key to this whole issue of not staying where we are? key is this matter of seeing beyond where we are. Do you remember the story um, in Kings uh, chapter 6? Story there. Let's just turn to that um, briefly. Kings chapter... uh, 2 Kings, sorry, chapter 6. This is uh, uh, Elisha um, operating in the prophetic realm and uh, um, the king of Aram that uh, is defeated time and again because of the prophetic insight that uh, Elisha brings. Uh, he sends his army out to capture Elisha. And uh, here's where he is and sends a, string, a strong force, chariots and horses and so on and so forth. <clears throat> so one morning, the servant of Elisha gets up and uh, he goes out early and he sees this army and with horses and chariots that surrounded the city where he was. Oh, my Lord, what shall we do? The servant asks. Don't be afraid, the prophet answered. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed, Oh, Lord, open his eyes that he may see. See, there was a very real situation. But actually, hidden behind that was a more real reality. It was a spiritual, it was a supernatural reality. Um, There were all these different forces truly lined up. But behind that was something that he couldn't see. And of course, what you can see determines your response. If you can't see something, if you can't see what God is doing, if you can't see uh, and put behind you things that are obstacles, then you're limited in sight, and that affects your response. Therefore, of course, the servant was alarmed. But the truth, when Elisha proclaims the truth, it transforms everything. It corrects this illusion. It changes things. And we need our eyes touched so that we can see things like God sees them. So that we can celebrate like he would have us to celebrate. So that we can be engaged in the things that he wants us to be engaged in. Because he has a plan that we are engaged in in a level of thankfulness. A level of, of, of entering his gates with praise and thanksgiving. Uh, which leads us into new places of worship. We had a very significant time together a few weeks ago of uh, taking opportunity to express our covenant relationship over that meal that we had together and breaking bread. And that was very key and very important. But the outcome of that should be that we, we go forward together We go forward into what God's got. That this is not the final place. This is not it. We're thankful for what God is doing. But we're moving on to something more. And something more, well, we'll talk about that some more. But one thing's for sure. It's a greater ability 
to receive and appreciate what God is doing. A removal of obstacles that stop us being able to do that. And entering into new levels of expression of thanksgiving which will lead us into new places of worship and an ability to see beyond the natural which enables us to do that. We want to see it as God sees it. We don't want to be a people that are involved in the yes but, um, but a people that uh, are able to say yes, God did this. You know, I don't want to be in a place when somebody shares perhaps about a healing or about a release and say, hmm, yeah, but it didn't last or it didn't work. That's completely beside the point. The point is, if it's God's doing, it's marvellous in our sight. And that's how we want it to be. Do you agree with me? So what are we going to do? We're going to ask. We're going to look to see beyond the natural. We're going to make sure that there's no obstacles there that need to be removed. We're actually going to embrace, Lord, search my heart and recognize that we can move on in the purpose of God and learn to be thankful, learn to be content, seeing that how we see it, the obscurity thing, is not an obstacle. God knows, sees, and understands. Amen? Yes? Praise God. Let's just come in to a time of thanking God then.